1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and beginning to read at verse 17. In his letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul has been writing about the time that he spent with them and his ministry among them and how they accepted the gospel despite the opposition that the church faced. Paul continues, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. It's nice to see you. My name's David. And uh, we're going to spend uh, 20 minutes or so just looking back at those verses from earlier. Um, and we're going to start with a question on our tables. And uh, I've actually got two questions for you. You've got the choice, okay? So there's two questions. You pick one which you suit with. And uh, if nobody else wants to do your question, you just think about it yourself. That's how it works. So you don't have to talk to one another if you don't want to. But if you want to discuss, here's uh, one question. What do you think have been the most significant influences in strengthening your faith and keeping you going as a Christian? That's the first question. Second question, what questions came to mind when you heard the verses earlier? Okay, it's your choice, whichever one you want. Go, two minutes. Okay, if you wanted to focus on, I had this question after I heard those verses, I'm going to leave you to answer those questions at the end on your table or to come and see me at the end. If you focused on the other question, 
what do you think has been the most significant influence in strengthening your faith and keeping you going as a Christian? That's what I'm going to focus on for the next wee while. And I'd love to hear if there were maybe one answer on different tables. Give me a wave if you've got an answer. Um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to go straight to this table down here. One answer from this table. Fellowship. Fellowship. Thank you. That's a, a, a Christian word for, for gathering together and being on the same team, talking to one another, meeting. What about up at the back? Anything from that table? Luke? importance of love. Thank you. What about this table over here? Just about the way that we see how patient God has been with you and yet has propelled on to you despite all the life and suffering. Brilliant. Brilliant. That is encouraging the way God deals with us faithfully and kindly. Anybody else want to give me a wave if they're bursting to pass on an answer? Anything from the young, 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 young table over here? Uh, the other young, young, young table over there. What about, yeah, go on, Joe. Journeying together, and it's encouraging when there's people your own age. Yeah, I remember that a long, long, long time ago growing up. <laughs> and what about down here? Anything from this table? Alrighty. Um, I'm going to start with a prayer. Let's uh, bow our heads and I'll lead us in a short prayer. Thank you for chipping in. Father, we ask that you would give us light from your word, that you would speak to us, that we wouldn't just hear the voice of a man, but that we would hear your voice in the pages of the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, we heard uh, just a moment ago, we heard from a reading uh, it's a letter in the New Testament part of the Bible called 1 Thessalonians, and it's written by a man called Paul. And Paul was given a job by Jesus. And the strange thing about what happened to Paul, what is at least two strange things, he met Jesus after Jesus had died and risen. So that's the first strange thing about Paul encountering Jesus. He met Jesus after Jesus had died on the cross and risen. The tomb was empty. And um, the second thing was that up until meeting Jesus, Paul just wanted to get rid of Christians, to wipe them out. He, he was a, a Jewish uh, a minister, and uh, he hated anybody who had anything to do with Jesus, this new religion. But after he met Jesus... He's devoted the rest of his life to telling other people that Jesus had died, that he had risen, that he was reigning in heaven and one day returning, and that now was the time to get ready for him. He was totally transformed. And so he went from place to place. And in the Bible, we read about this in Acts and in other parts of the New Testament about his missionary journeys. And then we have individual letters that he wrote to individual churches that he had helped start, um, where he had visited a city, told people about Jesus, people had believed his message, and then Paul stayed in touch writing these letters. 
And we read from 1 Thessalonians. Do turn back to page 1186 and 7 if if you've turned away from there. And, And just from the passage that we had, From chapter 2, the little 17, um, I've got a little heading there, Paul's longing to see the Thessalonians. It sounds, if you just scan down through those verses, it sounds like he really, really loves these these Thessalonians, this little church. You can tell from the language that he's deeply invested in and interested in them. So when he had to leave and move on from Thessalonica, he describes it as being orphaned, separated from them. He talks about having an intense longing in the next line to see them again and making every effort to come to them. He says a little bit down next to the big three, he says, when we could stand it no longer, Being apart and not having news, he sent a friend to find out how they were doing, um, if they were still following Jesus. It sounds like these guys went way back, super tight, Paul and the Thessalonians, that they had hung out lots. But actually in Acts, when we read about Paul's visit to Thessalonica, He was with them, it says, for three Sabbaths. So that might have been, depending on how you count three consecutive Sundays, it might have been um, 15 days or, or maximum 21 days. That's how long he had been with them and known these guys. And so that makes it even more striking the depth of the language that he uses and how he describes feeling about them. I wonder what we can learn from Paul tonight in what it means and what will help us to love other Christians. If you like to take notes and you want to scribble as we go along, then do so on there. I just draw a smiley face because sometimes I feel very serious and I need to remind myself to smile. So that's why there's a smiley face on there. You can do a smiley face as well, so smile back at me if that would be, that would be great. Um, so we're going to think about three things from these verses very quickly about uh, why Paul had this concern and what helped him to love other Christians. The first one is this. Here's the first heading. Loving other Christians in light of eternity. Loving other Christians in light of eternity. If you go down to the end of chapter 2, you see that Paul asks a question for what is our hope, verse 19, our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. In other words, what's going to be great about being with Jesus when he returns. And Paul says, is it not you, meaning the Thessalonians? Indeed, you, Thessalonians, are our glory and joy. You see, he sees everything in the light of the personal return of Jesus. He's longing for the day when 
he will see these people who he told about Jesus meeting Jesus on his return. And he wants to know that they're ready for that. It's a bit like a proud parent looking forward to the day of graduation of their son or daughter. A, a parent who is bursting with pride because of their child. Looking forward to a future day when something great is going to happen and they're going to be standing there with them, full of happiness and joy on that special day. Paul longs to see every single one who's made a start with Jesus to still be trusting in Jesus on that day when Jesus returns. And so his love is fueled by the big picture, the biggest picture you can have, not just what's going on with this person today or this week or this month or this year, but actually where will they be and what will they be believing the day Jesus returns? I wanted to bring some special glasses with me to, to illustrate this because I, I, it's like having a special pair of glasses that, that filter everything and help you to think about life through the lens of uh, the eternal perspective. So I'm just going to have to do this. And these are my eternity goggles, okay? I, I thought we could all do this, but that's just going to be silly, so we're not going to, going to do that. But it's as if Paul has got these eternity goggles or glasses on when he thinks about his friends. And he sees them and he thinks about the day Jesus returns and what he wants for them. He is looking forward. Now, we spend life looking forward to different things. Um, Good things that are coming up, hard things that will be coming up. Um, but Paul is looking to that day when Jesus returns and believing that ultimately that is the day in the diary, which nobody knows what date it will happen. That is the day that matters most. And that is the day that is to shape our thinking and our hearts. One writer puts it, like this, let me just get the quote, talking about that day. What a wonderful thought. One day Christians will stand in Jesus' presence and enjoy and revel in being able to see those we helped bring to faith or those we helped continue in faith. That will matter far more than what career we had or possessions we owned or popularity we enjoyed. Here is a wonderful motivation to minister to those around us in evangelism and encouragement and to pray for those who we are parted from. Paul is so concerned about these young Christians because he thinks about that future day and that fuels his love. So first of all, loving others in light of eternity. Secondly, loving others 
facing hard times, loving other Christians facing hard times. If you look down to, um, into chapter 3, at this stage he's, he's saying how he sent Timothy to encourage them why? Verse 3, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. He knows that they are still facing hard times because of their choice to follow Jesus. He, he sort of says it again in verse 5, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. He, he knows that they are facing hard times. And, and so Paul wants to act to help them. He was concerned about the effect of temptations and trials on their faith. He'd obviously spent a bit of time trying to prepare them for this. Because in verse 4, he says, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And that is a vital part of helping disciples of Jesus today. Jesus said himself to his first disciples, you'll face troubles in this world. And if we follow Jesus but don't know about the cost of following Jesus, then these things will easily derail us, causing us to think we've done something wrong, we've got things wrong, uh, we've made a mistake, when actually Jesus says, no, disciples of mine are to expect hard times. In hard times, Christians will either turn better or bitter bitter with God or better because they are growing to trust him in hard times Paul at two points in these passages talks about the influence of Satan the devil because he wants them to know that they will face uh, the devil's opposition organized against Christians but he doesn't want them to despair about that because he knows that the devil ultimately will be frustrated by God because he's a defeated enemy. And so Paul, he believes in a real devil who is active, but he believes that God is sovereign. But he also believes that we have a responsibility to act to support one another. And so he sends Timothy to see his friends in Thessalonica to seek uh, to bring them encouragement. He describes it like this at the end of verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Because he knew they were facing hard times. Now the Bible says hard times and trials and temptations can take many forms from sickness and grief to loneliness and doubts 
to depression and discouragement. Anything that can happen to anyone can happen to a Christian. And Paul wants them to be supported, and so he sends Timothy to use God's word to encourage them. Paul here is, is putting before us the priority of coming alongside other Christians who are facing hard times to strengthen and encourage them in their faith. I came across the illustration during preparation about what goes on in earthquake cities where earthquakes are common and, and people live in an earthquake zone. There has to be constant strengthening of buildings and buttressing as you would expect because everyone every tremor every earthquake is is dangerous to the point of life or death paul is modeling here for us moving towards others with god's word to strengthen and encourage, to encourage one another, to keep going. Now here at St. John's, we try to do that both formally and informally. Um, this week, we are um, uh, starting some small group time during the week, which will help us do that here on a Wednesday night. Come, even if you haven't been part of a small group, come along, because it's an opportunity to do this with one another. It's an opportunity to support others, and it's an opportunity to be supported by others, to be strengthened and encouraged. Some of us will meet up with friends from time to time, just one-to-one, -one, informally to do this. It could happen in other places, lots of different ages here, but you might be uniquely placed in your workplace alongside one other Christian who you alone are able to strengthen and encourage. You might be in your school or in your followers class or at your college or at uni. Be uniquely placed alongside one other Christian who you alone are able to strengthen and encourage by speaking and talking and sharing time together. We may think at the moment of Christian friends who we know are facing hard times and we may be uniquely placed to message them or to meet up to strengthen and encourage them this may be something that we want to turn into a prayer and ask God to show us those who are around this may be something that you're doing lots of and if you are keep going Paul wants us to have this priority I wonder, is there a Christian or a church that you've not seen for a while, but who you could be loving or praying for or seeking news about this week? Paul has this priority. Loving other Christians means uh, loving those facing hard times. And then thirdly, loving other Christians to the end, to the end, loving other Christians to the end. In the last section, verses 
6 to 10, Paul's focus is that he is delighted because of the news that Timothy brings of their faith, that they're still trusting Jesus. They've made a start with Jesus and they're still trusting Jesus. He says in verse 6 that Timothy brought good news about your faith and and, and love. He says in verse 7, we were encouraged because of your faith. Even though they were facing distress and persecution, he was both concerned for the faith of others and delighted to hear about the faith of others. And then in verse 8, he says this incredible thing. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. It's as if, it has the sound of it, it's as if Paul, for him, life has almost been a bit on hold, wondering what's happening to these young Christian friends of his. And now he hears news and he is, is so delighted. But, it, but it's not enough for Paul. Because he finishes the section thanking God for the joy they bring and praying that he will have the opportunity to see them. Why? So that he can supply what is lacking in their faith. You see, for Paul, he longs to see them complete whole, mature Christians. He wants to see them making it to the end. It's like someone that cares for a young plant in the garden, knowing that it's just starting to grow and knowing that it's going to need nurturing to grow to maturity. To love one another, other Christians, I think there's a very helpful question here, and it's this. What do we want most for our Christian friends? Is it happiness or salvation? Is it comfort or Christ-likeness? Happiness or salvation comfort or Christ-likeness. God's goal for every single Christian, every single Christian here, is for you to be conformed to the likeness of his son, to be made more and more like Jesus. That is what God is trying to do for every single one of us. So that one day you will be the best you you can be. Just now, we're not there yet. So don't be despairing or discouraging. We are all a work in progress with Jesus. But he has promised to bring that work to completion. And so that is what Paul wants to see happening. 
Understanding that goal, I wonder how it might affect or change or show up in our conversations and our prayers. Even tonight at the end of the service, where there's an opportunity to spur one another to keep going. Let's ask for God's help to do that. Father, please, would you help us to know more of your great love for us to be sure of that because of all that Christ did by dying on the cross to make us part of your people. Father, please, would you help us to learn from you how to love like Paul, to love one another in light of eternity, to love one another in hard times, and to love one another to the end. In Jesus' name we pray.